I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone and welcome to episode two. It's Loose and Live Here bringing you The Shit Show. So The Shit Show is brought to you by Shit You Should Care About and powered by our mates at Raw Collective. For those of you who don't know, Shit You Should Care About is a media platform designed to help you give a shit. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to The Shit Show. Welcome to the world of the media. Yay! Oh my god, Liv, it's so fun to be here. Episode two. I know, live from lockdown, crazy times. God, I actually, I can't believe we even got through episode one. Honestly, guys, teaching yourself how to podcast, how to host, produce, and research for a podcast is actually fucking hard work. It was literally the hardest two days of my life. I know, I almost thought we're not going to be doing this again, but I mean, we're not the type of people that are just going to give up. So here we are again, everybody. (laughs) So obviously we're coming at you guys live from lockdown once again. Liv, what have you been up to since we last chatted? Oh, what have I been up to? When was that? Friday. So Friday night, I had a few too many wines. Oh, here, here, hun. <laughs> Literally, I live with five guys, so I, I try and keep up with them and that's honestly not a good idea. No. Have you guys ever heard of anxiety? Because me and Liv get it so bad. Fucking how so, so bad. The next morning you just wake up and you... And you don't have your girls there to be like, guys, what did I do last night? I know. I always have to FaceTime Lucy and be like, Lucy, you will never guess what happened. But anyway, it was fine. Nice. Um, have you been like listening to or reading anything lately? What have you been consuming? So I've actually really, I haven't watched this yet, but I'm really, really excited for it. Um, It's a TV show called High Fidelity and it stars Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, so High Fidelity is actually a book series by Nick Hornby. And um, I just remember when I was little, I had nothing to read and mum and dad were like, oh, you should read these books. And I don't think I like ever got into them, but it's usually based from a guy's point of view and the TV show has changed it to like a girl's point of view. And it's about a girl who dropped out of uni and became a record store owner. Um, I don't actually know really the rest of the plot, but it looks really, really good. So I think I'm going to binge that this week. Um, Another recommendation I have is the book Enigma Variations. Um, I actually finished it a couple of weeks ago, but I was just looking over the front cover again, and it's just such a good book. It's so good, Um, right? I actually lent it to Liv. I'm going to take a bit of credit for this. You did, you did. You had a wee note written in the front cover. It was super cute. Um, And then who was, who's that book by Luce? It's Um, Andre Ackerman who wrote Call Me By Your Name. So I was obsessed with that movie. So then I decided I had to read the book and then I decided Liv had to read the book because it's beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was such a good concept, basically just like the five like loves of his life. So, and they were all super different. Um, So yeah, that's definitely a recommendation. 
Um, oh, this is a music recommendation this time. I've been absolutely binging the music of Angie McMahon. Um, she released her f- debut album in 2019 called Salt, and honestly, it's amazing. You should listen to her cover of Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac on YouTube, and I think there's... Oh, I don't know if it's on Spotify, but super, super good. She's like old school rock chick vibes. Love her. What about you, Liz? What have you been consuming? I couldn't get away from the recommendations of the book Such a Fun Age. I think I first heard about it on Shameless and then everywhere I looked, it was kind of popping up. So Ruby, the third member of Shit You Should Care About, kindly dropped it in my mailbox on her way to work and I read half of it in one day it's I can't put it down and I don't even I can't even explain why I haven't finished it yet but I already know that I'm gonna love it and I'll fill you guys in when I finished it so that we can come and chat about all the nerdy things like themes and symbols and metaphors and all that shit that we love um, I've been binging the TV series Little Fires Everywhere, which is also adapted from a book. Liv, I think you read the book, didn't you? Yes. Oh, my God. That was such an amazing book. Um, how are you liking it so far? I'm loving it. It's quite dark. It is dark. But honestly, Reese Witherspoon is killing it at the moment. She is starring in anything and everything and smashing it like I just watched the morning show that had Reese Witherspoon and it's Steve Carell Jennifer Aniston guys if you haven't watched that I would watch that as well it tackles the me too movement it's not a comedy it's like a quite a serious one but it's really fucking good I've still never seen Steve Carell in a serious movie have, have you seen beautiful boy no I haven't seen beautiful boy I read the oh, book but I haven't seen need it. To see it it's an amazing movie Anyway, back to Little Fires Everywhere. Guys, I've only seen five episodes so far, but it's amazing and I'd highly recommend. Um, I also have a music recommendation. I recently stumbled upon Conan Gray and I think I'm really behind the times finding him now, but he has just released an album and honestly, the song, The Story gets me in my feels. I actually cried to it the other day. It's such a good song. Um, so you guys, if you have nothing to listen to, after you've listened to the shit show, go and listen to that. So here's the story, folks. All right. I think it's time that I give you guys a little rundown about what's going to be in the show today. So we're going to start off by talking about abortions and how New Zealand has just decriminalized them. Then we're going to move into celebrity mental health and the narratives surrounding that. And then we're going to finish off with five other headlines that caught our eye this week. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? Right, so I want to start off a bit hot and heavy, but with some good news. Well, we at Shit You Should Care About think it's good news anyway. So amongst everything going on in the world, I think that this piece of news didn't get enough attention. And that is that abortion in New Zealand is no longer recognised as a crime. I have such respect for women. I cherish women. On the 18th of March 2020, New Zealand lawmakers voted to pass the Abortion Legislation Bill, which brings abortion out of the Crimes Act and treats it as a health issue rather than a criminal one. And so it fucking should be. So what does this actually mean? 
Right, guys. So up until now, women seeking an abortion in New Zealand were committing a crime under our main criminal statute, but they had a defence if they followed the requirements of the abortion legislation. These requirements included the woman being referred by their doctor to two specialists who each had to certify that she faces a serious danger to her life or physical or mental health. Um, For abortions after 20 weeks, Conditions were tougher as the procedure came with more risks. Now, the biggest change here is that women will now be able to make decisions about their pregnancy with their doctor and without the law being involved. So, rather than convincing two medical professionals that a termination would pose serious danger to their physical health or mental health, the reform bill means a woman no longer has to be assessed by a health practitioner for mental or physical well-being before 20 weeks. I think this shows some really strong movement in terms of trusting women with their reproductive rights and, to be quite honest, taking lawmakers out of decisions that belong to women. From um, personal experience, I have been there in that doctor's office with someone that I love as they have been grilled and judged and questioned about their intentions when seeking an abortion. Giving the power back to women, especially concerning something as personal as seeking an abortion, quite literally takes the idea that doing such a thing is criminal. And hopefully this can begin to change the dialogue surrounding abortions so that we start to be a bit more open and understanding about them. I think when you label anything as criminal, it's going to carry a stigma with it, no matter what it is. And to be quite honest, I can't believe that we lumped abortions and criminality together up until now. As far as I'm concerned... If you have made the already emotionally exhausting decision to have an abortion, then having to jump through what were unnecessary hurdles only makes the whole process so much harder and so much more damaging to your mental health. So the new law is certainly a step in the right direction, but we do still have a wee way to go. So the law has still left an option for doctors to conscientiously object to treating women who want either contraception, sterilization, or abortion. This is the only area of medicine where such a rule applies, and this just means that access for women is still going to remain challenging, though I don't want to take away from how awesome it is that it has been taken out of the Crimes Act. So good job, New Zealand. And while we're talking about abortions, a number of states in the US are using the coronavirus as an opportunity to ban abortion. I'm going to take such good care of women's health care issues, you won't even believe it. I feel like it shouldn't really need saying, but obviously it does, that you don't use a global pandemic to advance a political agenda. So um, on the 22nd of March, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered an executive order banning abortions during the COVID-19 outbreak, deeming them medically unnecessary and claiming that they use up valuable medical supplies needed to fight the pandemic. Okay, so is this not the stupidest thing ever, guys? Because births and deliveries use up medical supplies too. Some would argue more medical supplies and by forcing women to deliver 
you're putting them in more danger because you're bringing both the mum and the newborn into a place where infection is obviously high at the moment, which could use up more medical resources. I don't really get where the logic is here because I understand putting off surgeries that are not time sensitive, but an abortion is quite time sensitive. Like you wouldn't put off having your appendix out if it, if it was about to burst. You wouldn't put off having your gallbladder stone removed. So I think, you know, abortions are something that you can't really put on the back burner. And it's just so unfair for the woman because they're obviously, you know, living in a state where they know the abortion laws. And so in their head, they'll be able to like plan out what would happen if they got pregnant. And then suddenly that's just literally taken completely away from them. And they have to rethink their whole situation. It's just fucking cruel. Well, it's also it's a fact that it's happened before. If you ban abortion in one state, they still want the abortion. So women are going to go to another state to get one. So now pregnant women are being forced to not only leave their homes amidst the stay-at-home orders that are in the US, but this is during a global pandemic. They're being basically forced to cross state lines to seek the abortion that they would have had safely in their state. So um, Alabama and Iowa, and I think Ohio, Mississippi, and Oklahoma are also trying to enforce similar bans. But because these bans violate Roe v. Wade, which for those who don't know, this was the landmark legal decision that was issued, I think in the 70s in the US by the Supreme Court. Basically, it struck down a Texas statute that banned abortion and legalize the procedure across the US. But because this new ban violates Roe v. Wade, um, a number of abortion activist groups have been successful in getting holds put on the bans. So, I mean, hopefully in Texas, something will happen and people will see the light and realize that you can't just put off abortions and you actually can't ban them either. But to finish off my rant about abortion, let's not forget when Trump said this. Do you believe in punishment for abortion? Yes or no? Is a principle? Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. Awesome. So for our next segment, we're going to discuss how we consume celebrities' mental health issues. Guys, just a wee trigger warning. In this segment, I will be discussing mental illness, suicide, and other themes that may be triggering for some people. So if you don't want to listen to this part, that's totally fine. Just skip down to our last segment, which will be a bit lighter. So you guys will have probably seen all over the headlines, but Selena Gomez just revealed that she's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. This was revealed to Miley Cyrus during her IGTV show, Bright Minded, which was designed to help support fans' wellness during social distancing during the coronavirus pandemic. Luce, when I was seeing these headlines, I was really trying to figure out how I actually felt about a celebrity's mental health disorder being boiled down to a headline. Because simmering it down to a clickable headline, I feel could potentially underplay the severity of their struggle or the struggle that you know, other people are having with that same mental health disorder. Yeah, I actually agree. I thought a lot about this when Demi Lovato came out about all her mental health issues. And I know our flat got really invested in her documentary, which kind of went into it. But I also did a lot of thinking about how 
I consume it and how other people might be affected by seeing these headlines, whether they're triggering, whether they're helpful. And I think this is a really important discussion for us to have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the Demi Lovato documentary, that was so interesting because I felt like I didn't actually know anything about her life until that came out. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. Yeah, exactly. And you get so much empathy for these people when they do show their true stories and all of the struggles that they're going through. So maybe with the Selena Gomez headline, it could be a similar thing. But I just thought that bringing this into discussion would help us all figure it out. I'd actually be really interested to see what you guys think, those of you listening, um, especially those of you who may struggle with your mental health. If you've got any thoughts about how you consume headlines that are about celebrities' mental health, definitely come see us over at Shit You Should Care About on Instagram or send us an email, chat to us, DM us. We'd love to continue this conversation. Yeah, so when I was looking into this, I found an article from the Academic Psychiatry Journal from the States, and they had some really, really interesting views. The spin was a very positive spin towards self-disclosure for celebrities. So saying that it's a good thing when celebrities... Yeah, so saying that it's a good and helpful thing when celebrities talk about their mental health issues. So because celebrity culture is all-consuming, especially now with social media, I feel like we all feel as though we're owed an insight into people's personal lives, their relationships, and even their mental states. They have a tremendous power in how we as the public live our lives, and that includes our own mental illnesses as well, whether we ask for help or whether we feel alone. Liv, do you think to an extent... I don't want to say we are owed an insight into their personal lives or their mental states, but we are, I think, owed a degree of truth. We can't be sitting here just consuming the glitz and the glamour. I think we do deserve to see their real life. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? No, yeah, I do. I think that's definitely a good point. We can't just see celebrities in their polished performances I feel exactly the way that a celebrity works is that they're role models they are not just their characters or their stage names they are now the people that we look up to and we can't actually do that if they're not showing us the ins and outs of their day-to-day grittiness of their lives exactly it's not helpful for anyone to just see the airbrushed version of anyone's life But in saying that, they don't owe us everything. They are just normal people. But I do think that if they're choosing to put themselves in the spotlight, it needs to be a true spotlight. Exactly. I think this point was really well reiterated in that journal that I just mentioned because they discussed Robin Williams, who sadly passed away from suicide when he was 63. He had a rare brain disease that really depleted his dopamine levels, and I think it caused him to struggle horrifically with depression. When he committed suicide, the suicide rates in the US went up drastically with two-thirds of people actually using the same method as him. I think this shows the side of the subconscious influence that the media reporting of a celebrity's mental health can really have on the public. Yeah, and subconscious is right. Like we probably don't realize what we're taking from these headlines or what we're absorbing without even knowing. However, they were saying that also the effects of the media's reporting can be positive as well because the day after Robin Williams' death, the calls placed to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline increased by 300%. Wow. Which means media reporting also may have prompted help seeking, which is 
definitely an awesome thing, but a double-edged sword. So the study actually suggested that when celebrities talked about what they were going through, it increased the knowledge about the disease, also inspired others with the same disease to seek help, and also it promoted advocacy around that particular illness. These are three pretty positive When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Things to come out of self-disclosure. Yeah, I definitely think celebrities or anyone opening up about their mental health is not a bad thing. Inherently, it is a good thing and the positives are going to outweigh the negatives. Talking about it is always a positive thing, whether you are a celebrity or whether you are just, you know, one of our friends that are ringing us up for a chat about how you're feeling. I think it's never going to be a bad thing. It's just like it's interesting when it's just a headline and you read the rest of the article and there's no substance to it. So it's just like Selena Gomez comes out that she has bipolar disorder and they're making it so defining to her. Yeah, I think you really have to report on it in such an empathetic and informative way. Like it's hard Mm. to get a mix of both of those things. Exactly. That's the interesting side of things. I think a lot of people come out with autobiographical media, whether that's a book or whether that's a documentary series. I mean, I know Taylor Swift's one has come out recently, which is along the same line of thought, which I think is a really good way to do it because it gives them autonomy over the way that they want to discuss their mental illness. Whereas in these you know, singular headlines with pretty much just, oh, Selena told Miley that she has bipolar. It's not as helpful. Yeah, so it might be a case of going back to the source and actually media institutions having some sort of responsibility to post about these things with some parameters. Don't post about them unless maybe the celebrity has contacted you to release this just do it responsibly which i'm sure is a difficult thing to navigate but it's so important well especially when you're trying to get the first click a headline that says that a celebrity is struggling is going to get a click so you know you're going to post it regardless of probably how the information is going to affect those reading it it would be really interesting if there was anyone out there with bipolar disorder to tell us kind of how it made them feel when they saw that selena gomez also has the illness did it make you feel less alone or did it make you feel like it was being trivialized yeah yeah that's a good way to put it I think a really interesting side effect of this article is that it made me think about how the media has changed even over the last decade when it comes to reporting mental health I know that it's changed significantly from when we were in high school, Luce. Do you remember? It was basically just Tumblr. Like, that was the only place that would discuss mental health, and it was in a really kind of fucked up, romanticized way. 
It was so fucked up. And I I have to admit, like, I was part of it. I'd scroll through Tumblr and if I was feeling shit, you would seek out exactly what you wanted to see. And it was so perpetuating. A hundred percent. Like, it was always to do with romantic love as well. It was always like, oh, I'm broken. Like, is anyone ever going to love me? Broken. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, the brokenness, like as though there was something like inherently wrong with you. Or do you remember um, there was like that, what was it? It was like a play on words that was like, she's broken, he's okay. And it was like highlighted the he's okay from the she's broken. I can't really explain it, but you guys, some of you I know will know what I'm talking about. And that is the epitome of Tumblr and romanticizing being broken. The feeling of broken was almost portrayed as well in movies and books. Um, I just remember like John Green's books that were huge at the time of this era. Books like Looking for Alaska and Paper Towns. That was always a really, really romanticized version of a girl that was kind of emotionally unstable. I think that was actually good for that time because it gave us something to relate to even if it wasn't a person in the media at that point it was a character because I remember Liv literally and I made you read it my favorite book was called All the Bright Places and um, it was about a boy and he had bipolar disorder and basically Finch for long periods of time would go into what he would call the asleep and that basically referred to his depressive episodes And I remember just really clinging to that book and how Finch felt when he was in his dark times because if I was going through shit times, that was pretty much all I had to relate to. I remember thinking that I needed this character to relate to because there was nobody else talking about it, no one that I could see on my Instagram feed, if we even had Instagram back then, or in my real life that was being portrayed as having mental health issues. So I really clung to Finch and this book. Um, So I think that's a really interesting thing to think about. That book was so good. I remember when you made me read it and I was meant to go to a tutorial and I had just cried my eyes out because, I mean, no spoilers, but... I know. And it's just become a movie on Netflix. So if you're feeling up to it, it is really sad and quite heavy, but... I mean, it's a it's a good watch, especially if you need to have a bit of a cry. The movies and books that were around this age, they were good in the fact it's better than nothing. Like it's better than than not having any sort of space. It's not real people, but it's something, yeah. So since then, I feel like the media has definitely come so far in its representation of mental illness, which is fantastic. Um, I really feel like it's going to be a difficult subject to navigate in any point of time, even though we are getting better. It's a slow process, I think, because, you know, there's no script for a mental illness. It affects everyone so differently. So it's representation is always going to be off for some people. Exactly. No one's ever going to fully relate because it's such a personal thing. But then it's better to have something out there to at least try to get people talking or get people to relate to than the opposite, which is having nothing out there and pretending that mental illnesses don't exist. I think with Selena revealing that she has bipolar, 
is really admirable of her because you know you have to be super vulnerable to disclose that sort of information to such a huge audience I mean she's one of the most famous people in the world of course she is like everyone knows who Selena Gomez is they know about her health issues with lupus they know about her kidney transplant that she was it kidney yeah kidney transplant yeah her best friend gave her her kidney so she's been really vulnerable and open and it is a sign of the times you know the fact that you can use social media to disclose something as big as that imagine that 10 years ago it just wouldn't happen absolutely I mean you look at other people like Ariana Grande revealing about her PTSD Ryan Reynolds talking about his anxiety on all on social media like it is an amazing tool to reach out to others that may be struggling but we can't underestimate the vulnerability that these people are showing for you know sharing the side of themselves so what we need to remember is that celebrities are just people too and that they don't actually owe us anything when it comes to sharing their mental health issues it's amazing when they do because the major benefits it has on their audience but it's important to ensure when we are reading these headlines that we check in with ourselves and see how this makes us feel, especially if we are personally connected to the disorder at hand. There are those that think I'm a very stable genius. We thought that at the end of each episode, we'd want to chat about some of the other stories floating around in the universe this week. So I'm going to hit you with story number one. Uh, Number one, I am the least racist person. Major magazine publisher Bauer Media New Zealand closing down. So this story shook New Zealand this week. And um, this was published on Radio New Zealand. So I'll give a little bit of background for those who aren't across the Great Bauer shutdown of 2020. Basically, this week it was announced that Bauer Media New Zealand, the company who publishes The Listener, Women's Day, New Zealand Women's Weekly, North and South and Next magazine, is closing its doors. Now, Bauer blames COVID-19 and the New Zealand government is the reason for the shutdown. So Chief Executive of Bauer Media New Zealand, Brendan Hill, said that the COVID-19 lockdown had stopped magazine production and put the business in an untenable position. Bauer Media wasn't recognised as an essential business under New Zealand's Level 4 lockdown rules and was forced to close. Well, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said that she was disappointed and gutted by the Bauer decision. She said that the government actively sought to assist Bauer through these difficult times, with Minister Chris Farfoy speaking to them and asking if they could take up the wage subsidy. He later said they refused. In my view, from what I know of the situation, this appears to be a decision that has been made that is at the same time as COVID-19, but not because of it. So me over here as a media studies student and a bit of a nerd is a bit worried about what this means for the rest of the media. So I'm worried that this could cause a bit of a snowball effect because I think that at times of national crisis we obviously need the media more than ever. We need the media to be truth tellers. We need them to get checks on the government. We need the media to provide us with relief and escapism. We really just need them to exist. So I think this news about Bauer Media is really sad. And I think a lot of people are going to miss 
the magazines that they're so used to reading that provide them with comfort when they really need comfort right now. I'm going to be watching really closely about what happens to other media outlets. I think that news media will be okay because we're always going to need the news, but I think they'll already be running with minimal staff and my hearts really do go out to all the journalists and the staff of Bauer Media who have just lost their jobs in what are already tough times. That is a huge loss to the New Zealand media. Like, that is massive. It is. Yeah, like the listener north and south, that's crazy. I know. Anyway, Liv, what have you got for me? So my first article um, that I saw today was from Vox. I love Vox. Oh my God, they're so, so good. They um, make everything so clear and understandable and it's brilliant. So the headline of this article is the CDC, who are the Centers for Disease Control, have begun testing blood for immunity against coronavirus. Blood tests are being developed and are beginning to be conducted to determine whether someone has been exposed to the virus, even if they are asymptomatic. You may ask, well, they've been testing for the coronavirus for fucking ages. Why would this be any different? Well, unlike the up-your-nose swabs that the doctors have been performing, these blood tests will reveal whether the person's body has the antibodies now needed to fight off the reinfection of the coronavirus. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. Kind of interesting. So they're trying to figure out whether people who have had the virus have these antibodies in their system and therefore they might think about the possibility of letting certain people re-enter society. Oh, I can't wait till the day I can re-enter society, Liv. Oh my God, <laughs> I can't even imagine. No, neither. The company Celex has created this test where the blood is obtained by pricking a person's finger and people are getting the results a mere 15 minutes later. Holy so shit. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's really times. cool. So what about you, Luce? What have you got for us next? Okay. Um, my next headline is from Nylon, and it is Timothy Chalamet is back for the Call Me By Your Name sequel. And this is the news I really needed to hear today. So the story is by Nylon, and I'm fucking excited about it, to be honest. According to the film's director, Luca Guadagnino, Chalamet and the entire original cast is on board for the film's next installation. Sorry, hold up one second, but did you practice saying that name? Because that was flawless. <laughs> I actually did. I YouTubed, <laughs> I YouTubed like a video that he featured in and I just listened to the person introduce him. It was um, like you turned Spanish for a second. It was so weird. <laughs> we are also praying for the people of Puerto Rico. We love Puerto Rico. Well, thanks for noticing it, Liv. Um, Guadagnino was originally hesitant to move forward with outsourced material, but in October of 2019, Andre Ackerman, who wrote the first book, released Find Me, the second book, which revisits Oliver, Elio, and Elio's father and their relationships. So this has greenlit the next chapter in The Touching Romance, and... Yeah, Timothy Chalamet is back on board. Same with all the other people in the original cast. So I'm really excited for that. We don't know them. We just know Timothy Chalamet. And Army Hammer. I do know him. But Timothy Chalamet takes my heart and my focus. All right. So my second headline is from spin.com. Um, and it is Frank Ocean songs, Dear April and Cayendo are leaked online. This both makes me sad 
and happy at the same time because one, I get new Frank Ocean music, which is always fucking great. But then also I'm sad for him that it got leaked because that really, really fucking sucks for him. So Frank previewed his two new songs at his prep club night in New York City where he opened up pre-orders for um, his singles pressed on 7-inch vinyl. But unfortunately, fans leaked the tracks online. So Frank had to release acoustic versions of two songs, Dear April and Cayendo. So, yeah. So did fans buy the vinyl and then record it and upload it to the internet or something? I'm actually a bit confused as to what fully happened. I mean, I'm no leaker. But that's how I would leak it. Watch out, Frank. Lucy might be on to you. So my last headline is actually a recommendation from an Instagram called Really Good Recommendations, actually named. And they posted a vulture story called If I Wrote a Coronavirus Episode. Honestly, this story is so far up my alley. What um, Vulture did was they reached out to script writers, showrunners and creators and asked them, how would TV's most beloved characters navigate social distancing in these dark days? So um, some of the showrunners and creators from my favorite shows have written responses. And I just want to read to you guys a couple of my favorites. Okay, Riverdale. If the coronavirus hit Riverdale, the kids would be in deep trouble as they cannot keep their hands off each other and social distancing is definitely not their forte. But they are resourceful. First, there's the fully self-sustaining bunker Dilton Doyley built. The kids have been using it primarily as a sex bunker for their trysts, but a good 12 people could hole up there with no problem. Another place folks could hunker down is Pop's Chocolate Shop. There's a seemingly endless supply of milkshakes and burgers and onion rings to be had at Pops, and we know it does takeout and delivery. And if the corona crisis threatens to last beyond the end of their senior year, knowing the kids, they'll probably hold prom despite the risk, secretly if necessary. I mean, there's no way Cheryl Blossom is not being crowned prom queen this year. As for graduation, let's get real. Given how little time any of these teenagers have spent in classes, would any of them actually be eligible for graduation? Well, maybe Kevin Keller. Okay, Liv, now for my next act, I'm going to be Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. First of all, Leslie would have known the CDC protocols for social distancing already, and they would have been instituted within 24 hours of the first reports of the coronavirus in America. Secondly, she, more than anyone, would recognise the importance of community. All town forums would be continued online. Zoom would be installed on everyone's computers overnight. She would worry, though, about the lack of in-person contact. So she and Anne Perkins would have proper six-foot-apart walk-and-talks every day. If Anne swayed closer than six feet, she would gently be chat-sized, perhaps via spray bottle. She would check in on Tom and Donna and April and Andy and 50 other people four times a day to see if any of them had a fever or a cough. They would pretend to be annoyed but would secretly love it. Ron would be thrilled because now there's a reason for him to be alone with no one bothering him all the time. But he'd worry about Leslie. Honestly, Leslie, not for president. President Trump is waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on to Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, one of my favourite shows. 
When I'm not on the front lines of the pandemic with my squad, I am, of course, self-quarantining with my husband Kevin and our beloved dog Cheddar the Dog. For breakfast, we have our favourite meal, unbuttered plain bagels with a side of lukewarm water. For lunch, we split a whole wheat no-flavour nutrition brick without crunch. And for dinner, we each have a portion of Kevin's boiled rice. And for dessert, we split another portion of Kevin's boiled rice. Okay, now that you guys know what your favourite characters would do if they were in a coronavirus episode, you can go ahead and write about what you would do if you were in a coronavirus episode. Oh wait, you're already in one. (laughs) Oh my fucking god, Lucy, if anyone could see how pleased she was with herself right now. I don't know I don't know what you guys would do, but I think it's time that we get out of here. You're going on a spiel. Okay. Bye everyone. <laughs> Bye guys. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.